This podcast is offered by Jikoji Zen Center on the web at jikoji.org. Our programs are made possible by donations from people like you. On behalf of Jikoji, um, this morning I would like to uh, invite or uh, welcome David Chadwick to be our uh, teacher this morning. Uh, many of you, I think, know David or know of David. He's uh, rather famous in his own way for a longtime student of Suzuki Roshi and uh, was there pretty much at the beginning of things and uh, uh, Wrote a number of books, Crooked uh, Cucumber and a few others. Um, and uh, most importantly, uh, well, important to me at least, was uh, his wonderful work in archiving all the teachings of Suzuki Roshi, teachings, photos, um, videos um, that's available to everyone. Um, so David, uh, thank you so much for joining us this morning and uh, um, welcome, welcome. Thank you. Well, um, good morning, everyone. Uh, good morning, well, I'm sorry. Yeah, you're in morning. I'm in morning too. <coughs> I'm at um, 3.45 a.m. Um, on uh, Monday in uh, Indonesia. <laughs> oh my goodness. Uh, yeah, I live in Bali. Wow. Um, and uh, yeah, I got up at 2.30 to be with you, uh, bright and early. Uh, you're, at, you're at G. Koji, right? That's right, that's right, yes. Wow, beautiful Zendo. That's great. I love it there. I love it there. I wish I could come visit you. When you can, come. Open it yeah. please. Yeah. I don't know if I'll ever get back to America. I've been here seven years. Um, oh. Oh. It's expensive. And um, you know, you need a you need a car to be driven around. It's very big. <laughs> um uh, how are you all doing in terms of uh, uh, the fires? We're pretty much out of out of it now. Hopefully, out of it. Um, but it was very close, and uh, we uh, we were preparing to evacuate. We didn't evacuate, but we were just 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 about at the point of having to evacuate. But we we dodged a bullet this time. Yeah. Are you uh, are you thinking about uh, you know uh, preparing for future fires, maybe eliminating some um, trees that are too close or whatever? Which yeah, we're definitely we definitely have done that, and we'll we'll continue to do that. Yeah. Yeah, I imagine. Yeah. 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 Wow. 
Well, um, it was scary though. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, the fires in California, big news all over the world. Yeah. Uh, so I'm, I'm glad you, uh, you, uh, escaped that. I was just talking to someone last night uh, who has a lot of friends. In, is it Bonnie Doon? Is there a place named Bonnie yeah. Doon? Right? Yeah. yeah. Right. And um, he was involved with the community there, uh, largely of people uh, who lived in Japan early on, 60s, 70s. And uh, he said something like there were 800 homes there and there's 80 left. Um, so um, anyway, I, um, uh, I'm glad you all uh, escaped uh, harm on that one. Um, and um, uh, congratulations to uh, all of my fellow Americans for um, uh, the results of the election. Woohoo! Woohoo! <laughs> um, and if there happen to be any, which there are in, in some groups, um, whose candidate lost, uh, my condolences, but um, let's work together to uh, <laughs> live in harmony. Uh, uh, the fellow I was talking to last night is a very interesting uh, uh, guy named uh, David Kubiak. Um, same age as me, 75. And uh, he was in, he went to Japan in, in the 70s. He'd been in the Peace Corps. And, and he's, you know, he's mainly involved with social somewhat political, environmental work, and has been on, on a really large scale in Japan and India through the years. And, but because of his involvement with Asia and, you know, becoming aware of Buddhism and, and Asian thought and Hinduism and everything, He's realized the importance of um, of uh, focusing on mind. As a matter of fact, that's how he started when he was in college in the East Coast. He wanted, uh, and, and I think he went to college in '62, or he graduated from high school in '62. Yeah, and he wanted to study uh, consciousness. And, you know, become a psychologist and various things happened. You know, he went into the Peace Corps. And, uh, uh, but and then he learned about what he called Qi, which is Japanese and Chinese is Qi, you know, which is uh, like Hara energy. You know what I mean? You know, the, the great... Uh, um, sort of, you know, the, the idea of chi, I, I'm not qualified to, um, you know, expound on it, but it's our core energy that's 
at a deeper uh, than just superficial phenomenal level. Uh, it's the level that, you know, is connecting us to everything else where, uh, where if we're aware of it and, and we pay attention to it, uh, our experience can be uh, much more inclusive, much bigger, and and uh, you know, be beyond uh, just constant involvement with the stream of thought and uh, ideas of self. And um, he said, uh, and he's not a he's not like a practicing Buddhist or anything. He's just been around it a lot, and he's a very deep thinker. Uh, but he said, you know, when he was talking about that, he said something, uh, you know, we're always hearing things that go, oh, yeah, that's a, that's a good way to look at that. He said, we're so uh, involved with distractions or with uh, putting our attention on external things, uh, especially, you know, involvement with, um, with uh, news with um, online information and sharing, which is very powerful and um, uh, has been wonderful in many, many ways. Uh, you know, like here I am on the other side of the world and I'm constantly in touch with, uh, with the, the, the wide Sangha and uh, people beyond the Sangha, you know, from my life and so much. But, uh, you know, not getting caught up in it in harmful ways, uh, such as was uh, gone into in depth in the movie, The Social Dilemma, I highly recommend it. Um, and, you know, how uh, too much involvement or the wrong type of involvement with like, uh, especially Facebook can sort of rewire your brain and start addicting you to um, um, uh, disinformation and well, just thinking about stuff compulsively and getting involved in all sorts of stuff. And he said, but he said that, that what, what all healing is involved with in one way or another and awareness and as paying attention to our body you know paying attention to our chi uh, and uh, you know I think about you know what sort of what sort of medicine he his uh, he has an NGO in India, well maybe it's global, yeah I think it started in America, it's called Big Medicine. Uh, and so what's the big medicine for our uh, the the illness of society and and our personal illness, <laughs> where our you know our personal problems. Um, one way to look at it is it just starts with paying attention. Uh, and, you know, uh, 
we're very fortunate to have run into a teaching that emphasizes paying attention to breath and not paying attention to belief. Wow, what a relief that is. Uh, that's not, uh, you know, that's not something that would necessarily occur to a person who's trying to be good or find the truth. Uh, might be that the indications are in education and whatever religious teaching you're around that, that you're being encouraged to focus on uh, thinking and believing and, uh, you know, attaching to ideas and conforming to uh, the way the group thinks and group behavior and, you know, various rules. And, uh, you know, that's just keep naming things that one has to do. But a system that, or a teaching that focuses on awareness of breath, awareness of body, awareness of what is, uh, what a relief. Uh, yeah, I feel very fortunate to have uh, been around that. And actually I grew up around uh, related, uh, related approach. Uh, The, um, uh, you, you know, I love it. it, it the, uh, the, the, the roomy statement. I, I, was, I was at a little uh, environmental center near, near our home, about a 20 minute walk away. Very nice, a lot of grass and they have, um, oh, they'll have events there for, uh, you know, anything from a chorus singing there to, uh, uh, you know, an environmental group or what, you know, different things. They don't have a lot of activity there. But uh, I, I went into the men's room and written on the wall was uh, a quote from Rumi that said, hmm, yeah, I probably don't have that translation, of course, accurately, but it's something like we're, we're not, um, uh, drops in the ocean, we're the ocean in drops. So you're not a drop in the ocean, you're the ocean in a drop. I, actually, I'd say we're both. We're a drop in the ocean, and we're the ocean in a drop. So when I saw that, uh, I paid attention to it again. And that, that sort of attention, reading that sort of thing, made me pay attention to something beyond the language, beyond the words, beyond the symbols. And you know, just to pay attention to 
the ocean and the drop, they're both, you know, it's, we live in a sort of dual reality. Um, of course, we experience it as, as if we're separate beings, but we have the ability and we have the natural um, inheritance <laughs> to be aware of and to be able to pay attention to uh, the ocean that uh, we are a temporary manifestation of uh, um, well there's two ways to look at that um, one is that we're a temporary manifestation of that the other is just to say as we manifest, all our manifestations are temporary. Uh, and, um, you know, some people look at it as if there's no beginning or no end to it. But uh, that's not the sort of thing that I pay too much attention to because that's just like philosophical and yeah, there's not much... Uh, 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 there's not much point in just dwelling forever. It's like, uh, who was it? Oh, I think it was Pauline Petchy, like way back early, like in 1962 or something, asked uh, Suzuki Roshi, she said, uh, uh, if she asked him, if, if a tree falls in the woods, does it make a sound? You know, that was, that's an old sort of profound question. And he said, it doesn't matter <laughs> because uh, what matters is, <laughs> what matters is uh, just paying attention to who we are. Now in the, in the um, I love the Advaita Vedanta approach, uh, Advaita Vedanta Hinduism. I, I sort of think of it even like Zen Hinduism. And you know, uh, I'm sure some of you are aware of uh, Ramana Maharshi, Nisargadatta and, and uh, other uh, sort of teachers in that uh, system, uh, Muji, Papaji, uh, so many people. Candace, I don't know if any of you are aware of her. She lives in Bolinas. There's others, I forget their names. Uh, and uh, uh, their focus is, is on uh, looking at uh, the sense we have of I exist, you know, paying attention to that. Um, and uh, that, you know, the, the Advaita Vedanta, great teachers like Ramana Maharshi said that all beings have this sense that 
I exist. And their practice is sort of to pay attention to that, to look into that and say, what is it? So that goes back to uh, a very, very early koan that came out of India, of who am I? Uh, and uh, uh, there, the answer to that is found, you know, by looking at, by focusing on paying attention to being aware of that sense of existence. Um, now, Suzuki Roshi would say uh, that we have this, what he called, silly sense of self. <laughs> um, but if, if we look deeper at, you know, we have this sense of I, right? So we think it's a separate I. But uh, what they're saying, what this teaching is saying, is that sense of I exist, I am, is itself the, uh, the ocean. Uh, we think it's the drop. And, and it is the drop, but it's the ocean. And we become aware of the ocean, I think, by starting by just paying attention to our body, to our breathing, and the breath sort of like the, it's sort of a bridge between the, the uh, voluntary and involuntary or the uh, you know, the, the, the sort of more like grossly physical and the more subtle physical and the chi. Um, one thing I've learned here in Bali, uh, I've done uh, Vipassana retreats here uh, because that's what's here and fine with me. And I'm very lucky because the, uh, uh, I, I, you know, I, I, of course, know a lot of Vipassana people and a lot of Zen people have gotten into Vipassana. And, um, uh, but the time, you know, and, and Vipassana meditation can be uh, a very involved with naming you know, and, and the Buddha, when, you know, like uh, maybe the oldest reference uh, when Buddha talks about meditation, he says, uh, you go like, now I'm breathing a long breath or uh, now I am breathing in a short breath, that sort of thing, you just name it. Uh, and um, but uh, the Vipassana that is taught here, that the tradition here is the Mahasi tradition, which is to focus on the chi, on the hara. Uh, it's just like zazen, it's great. 
<laughs> I wouldn't care. I mean, whatever they, it, that's what I would have done anyway. Uh, now, Suzuki Roshi said, well, when you go to a Sendai, send, well, this is what his master told him, Gyokjun so on, said, when you go to a Rinzai temple, you practice the Rinzai way with them, you know, don't lay your trip on them, right? That sort of thing. And he did go to a nearby temple and, and study koan with teacher. We were very young at the time, and he felt like he didn't understand anything, and he passed any koan, and that the teacher had passed him just so he wouldn't feel bad or something. Uh, and that always gave him a sort of suspicion of Rinzai practice, koan practice. <laughs> but uh, that's never, I think it's just sort of sectarianism. You know, he was just prejudiced toward Soto Zen, and I am too. Uh, I've known many, many people who do, including my wife, who do koan practice, but uh, I, I've, I've liked the, uh, you know, the Soto approach, the Genjo koan. Uh, uh, or the uh, Advaita Vedanta Hindu approach, which, you know, is totally compatible with Zen of uh, who am I? Uh, but the, uh, uh, the, the Mahasi method is, you know, cross-legged sitting, focusing on the Hara and the breath going in and out. Uh, so uh, uh, I, I've, I've done a number of Boston retreats here. They're tough, good Lord. You know, they're, they're really bare bones. I like them. I like them. There's, they do an hour of sitting and then an hour of walking. And, um, God, the last one I did, it was like, wake up at 3.30 in the morning, go to bed at 10 at night. And it didn't have any breaks. And um, the uh, it was led by this renegade woman teacher. You know, it's a very patriarchal system. but And she's Indonesian. Uh, and uh, boy, I liked her. Uh, and... Uh, uh, yeah, she had the doors locked because people were going and taking naps during the day. <laughs> I always found it best never to lie down. No, don't take breaks. Don't, you know, don't. That makes just makes it harder. Just keep at it. Uh, but um, uh, that's pretty tough. Uh, I don't know if I can do another one. I'm 75. <laughs> There's an easier type of retreat here I've done with a, um, uh, a, a, I don't know what you call him. He's not part of any particular system, but he's, his, his name is Murta Ada. I've got, a, I've got a long piece on it. I just did a podcast with him. I do podcasts. I do six a week. I'll tell you about that later. But I did one with him uh, recently on my life in Bali. Once a week, I do a life in Bali. Murta Ada. So uh, he's sort of a teacher of healing and meditation. 
And, but he studied Vipassana and he's Buddhist. He's Chinese, Indonesian Buddhist. He grew up in a Buddhist family. But, you know, Buddhism uh, can be just like being, you know, growing up in Episcopalian church or something like that. Uh, it doesn't, it doesn't at all necessarily mean somebody's oriented toward practicing uh, meditation or anything. Uh, but he, he, uh, he got polio when he was very young and so he couldn't do sports and stuff. And he gravitated toward these Chinese herbalists and, and it's where, wherever his family was living, it was always right, right next door to a healer or an herbalist. Uh, and then, so he he uh, learned a great deal uh, about that. And then, when he was like a teenager, maybe in like uh, you know high school level, uh, he was living with his uncle over in a nearby island of Lombok, and uh, a guy, a a, a, a Buddhist. A Theravadan monk who, who Indonesian who'd studied in Burma, uh, named, well, I don't know his full name. He's called, I mean, I have it, you know, I could find it, but he's called Bhante Giri. Bhante's like uh, Sensei or Roshi, you know, it's priest, means a, a monk, Bhante Giri. And he founded, and, 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 uh, he was a. Uh, he became the 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 great founding uh, Vipassana, a, a great Vipassana teacher and a founder of the of the great Buddhist temple in Bali, uh, Brahma Vihara Rama up in the north in uh, Singaraja, and uh, that's where I've gone to these retreats. So Murta Atta studied with Bhante Giri for, uh, uh, for, you know, uh, for some time, years, and, you know, did retreats there at that temple. And, and uh, uh, but his, he got in, his family got into business, into um, uh, the clothing, making dresses and different types of clothes and, became very, very successful. And, um, uh, and but, but he developed this ability to see people's problems and he even started noticing it in his workers. You know, he could see when they had a problem with their liver or whatever. And um, the, the method of healing that he developed, which really, and, and, he, and he, said, he says, well, I, I don't really heal you. I just tell you how to heal yourself. It's just to pay attention, just to focus on it. And that's one thing David was saying last night. He said, all these um, healing systems and health systems, when you look at what they get down to, it's just paying attention to, to your body and to, you know, then you, go deeper to your body mind to, you know, who am I? But uh, so, uh, and then Murta Adha, you know, he encourages uh, paying attention to the chakras 
and to the body and scanning all that. And, you know, I'd never, I'd never, you know, I've known about chakras, you know, and all that, but I never cared. But um, I started doing that, just uh, going through, you know, from high to low, uh, paying attention, and um, you don't have to actually have a powerful awareness of the crown chakra, the head, the throat, the heart, the the solar plexus, or the chi, uh, the hara, the um, sort of like the sexual area, and then the lowest one, the the uh, I don't know what are the two lowest. I mean, the lowest is more like the the digestive system area, uh, or the excretory area. Um, so, you know, I go through those in the morning, and then I go through my body, and he and he has you just go through and be aware of, uh, you know, your head down, you know, through your shoulders into your arms, then, you know, your whole body. And um, uh, if you're having some problem, uh, he encourages people just to be aware of it, to breathe into it. And, and he says, Anicca, uh, impermanence. Just breathe and, and say that. And I've done retreats with him. And there's a lot of talking and guided meditation. And, you know, he'll give talks and videos of his talks. And it's too much of that for me, but it's easier. <laughs> uh, you know, they'll have, and then there's a lot of, in every period, there's a lot of meditation, but they'll always start off with some talk and then with some, uh, and, and a lot of uh, may all beings be happy. Uh, that That's a really big deal here in, in, in focusing on that. And, and I like that. Uh, I think that's really good. But their, their meditation will, will have, um, at least at the beginning ones, they'll, they'll have 15 minute breaks every hour. And people could do anything. And, but I couldn't do that. I've just been too, too uh, programmed, you know. So I would just do keening. I just do walking meditation for 15 minutes and go back to Sydney. Also did a, they did a one week where, where people from, he has people from all over Indonesia in his group, uh, Bali Usada. Usada means like health. And what does Bali mean? Like giving or, oh, I forget, <laughs> sorry. Um, but, um, 
you know, he just encourages uh, that paying attention to your body is healing. I mean, it's it's very, very simple. I mean, there's really nothing much to it. Uh, and when you look at and and meditation here, every time I see any meditation, meditate, it's always associated with healing here. And I grew up around uh, faith healing and uh, that sort of thing and, and religion being associated with being healthy. Uh, so uh, anyway, I'm, I'm uh, very grateful that I grew up around in, in a in a home and an environment that uh, taught me that uh, that the ultimate reality was mind uh, and that body and mind were the same thing. Uh, and that, you know, the stuff in the Bible, you know, and it, it's not talking about history, it's talking about states of mind. And, uh, you know, and then when I, you know, uh, most people, their understanding of religion and Christianity just seems sort of uh, superstitious, you know, just believing a lot of Stuff believing in action figures, worshiping action figures, it seemed like. Uh, and um, but but there's a lot of, there's a lot of uh, religion that makes people uh, get into trances. The the the, the Balinese, uh, you know, they're Hindu here, but they're um, the they're really sort of I call it voodoo Hindu because they're the the uh, what they're really into is is uh, ceremonies and making offerings for ceremonies and offerings and they do it every day there's constant making of offerings and making a little palm leaf trays they make and they have flowers and stuff and they put and it's just done every day i was uh and, and there's ceremonies and stuff i mean they're always having to take off for a ceremony or a, a cremation or a funeral or a, or you know a day to honor education or and you know with different hindu gods or stuff um and uh, that, yeah, I was, I've, I've been impressed with how that makes them pay attention uh, to, you, you know, a lot of times religion, you know, you might look at it from the outside and say, oh, these people believe a lot of nonsense. But then you look at what they're actually doing. They're doing stuff together to make them pay attention to a lot of times to a sort of group consciousness. Um, 
anyway, I'm getting far afield there, just thinking about all that. But I think I've gone on long enough uh, with this uh, speaking about paying attention. I'm very grateful I grew up around it. And then uh, I'm grateful that uh, I ran into psychedelics, which uh, made it, mm, uh, which gave me a taste of something deeper and, and really drove home the, the uh, imperative of uh, waking up and the uh, experience of, of, of a bigger, much bigger, greater reality. And then running into uh, wonderful teachers, not only Suzuki, but uh, Kobunshino and Dining Katagiri and, and all my fellow students and just the wide community. And, you know, becoming aware that, you know, all beings really are, are you know, there's, there's seeking uh, awareness of who they are and what is happening, what we are. And um, anyway, I'm grateful for all that. There's, there's a lot of frightening, disturbing things happening in the world, but there's a big picture. There's a, a big reality that is really not affected by all that. And uh, the, you know, worlds come and go, lives come and go, but the uh, fundamental reality is uh, that we're always, we're always home. We're always, uh, we're always safe. Safe's a big thing these days. <laughs> but uh, our, uh, you know, what we cling to isn't safe. And our, our delusional ideas and uh, isn't safe, and and we we can't take refuge in phenomena. Uh, although uh, we want it to work out as well as possible, but um, in attention and awareness, uh, we find. Uh, uh, and we find, you know, something wonderful that uh, doesn't uh, is not is not uh, affected by anything that happens. So um, I do not know how long I've gone on, but. Um, why don't, at this point, why doesn't somebody say something or ask something or contribute something? Hmm? Uh, David, can you hear me? Yeah, you could be louder. Uh, we're, we're going to open it up for uh, questions. So could yeah. you receive some questions? Uh, people online, I invite the people in, that are Zooming in. Uh, if you'd like to ask a question, uh, 
Nico, could you coordinate that and or someone here has a question? So Nico should be able to see it. Yeah. Yes, if anybody has any questions, just um, wave or gasho and I'll set you up. Go ahead, Connor. Hi, um, thank you for that wonderful talk. I have many questions um, and I guess, but I'll just ask uh, one of them uh, and Maybe if I get a chance, uh, the rest of the question answer session, I will ask the rest of them. Uh, because this talk was mainly about attention, um, attention, I had a question on attention itself. Uh, so we spoke a lot about attention and awareness, and we talked when we and and then we spoke about inattention and uh, not being aware. Um, so like the question that arose uh, in my mind was what does it mean to be inattentive or not have attention and what does it mean to be uh, attentive and have attention so what is uh, what is attention uh, what is attention what 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 is happening when we are paying attention and what is happening when we are not paying attention. So what is the thing that we have been discussing uh, throughout this talk? Yeah, that's a very fundamental uh, question. And, um, you know, that's like a koan. That's like a koan. That's like saying, who am I? Uh, uh, you know, uh, when, you know, you know, this is something that each person I'm, uh, that that has to realize for themselves, and I think that's a very good approach. You know, my first thought is, what what is inattention? It's just paying attention to something else. Uh, I think I started. I was thinking when you said that, I thought, well, is there such a thing as inattention? Right, and that's what I was also thinking that there's always attention. So, um, so what are we talking about? Well, um, uh, I think to um, awaken to uh, more fundamental level of, you know, of awareness, a bigger awareness, uh, that we, it, it's good, you know, uh, to pay attention to our body, to our breath, and to, um, you know, exploring or just being aware of who am I, what am I experiencing? Um, I, I think I think your your question is so fundamental that you just have to each person would have to find out for themselves what uh, what attention is, what awareness is. Uh, I I don't think I I can I don't think I I know any more than you do, or can explain it any better than you uh, or anybody else, but. 
I'm very grateful to be aware that paying attention to uh, the thought stream constantly and thinking about myself and, and ideas and beliefs and theories and, you know, getting caught up in news. I'm, I'm not... I'm not, I'm not saying we shouldn't watch news. I mean, if somebody doesn't watch news, that's fine. But uh, I think one can watch news and be involved with, with uh, all sorts of distractions, but, uh, but return to, uh, uh, you know, not sell our souls to them in a sense. Return to awareness of the breath and attention to the, the body, the breath, and to the fundamental questions of uh, who am I, was this? You know, in, in, uh, in the Mahasi method, they just go on the breath, they just go rising, falling. So I can't really answer your question or tell you what it is. Uh, this is uh, just practices, I know. And I, it sounds to me like like uh, you're on a very good path and that's uh, you're, you're honing in on the fundamentals there yes and and thank you and i think my question kind of like came out a bit wrong as in i said uh, what are we talking about i think i i got a lot out of it uh, all the things that we went into regarding mind and awareness and mind and body uh, and so uh, thank you. I will uh, I will think about it more, uh, or I will kind of try to be aware of, about it more. And I guess what I wanted to uh, I wanted to figure out what inattention in is. Uh, but yes, yes. Thank you. Thank you so much. And apologies if I asked the question the wrong way. Wrong way? Hell no, man. That was perfect. I'm very impressed. I'll remember that. Um, that was great. Uh, thank you. Yeah, thank you. Uh, can you hear me? I can. Okay. Um, question I have of you know, I, I, you've been in Bali for a number of years, and, and obviously, we've had a long history of. Um, uh, spiritual practice, but right here, in a way, you're talking to the choir. Um, but let's say you had a platform of you could take your experience of living in Bali, what you've learned there, and talk to, I had a few words of advice for a mainstream American culture, if there really is such a thing, but you know what I mean. It's not. Yeah, sure. No, yeah. It's definitely. not this, you know, it's not the choir, but, but what, and, and not in, in a language that they could maybe understand. I don't know if they're going to understand chi and awareness and, but I don't know, but. Uh, oh, no, no, I know. Yeah, that's good. I agree that, with you. You know, I talk to people and I, I you know, yeah, maybe what you have to say would help me in my <laughs> discourses. Um, well, yeah, I can 
because I grew up in a family that read the Bible and mm. and didn't see it as talking about uh, historical events and and stuff outside of ourselves. Uh, it's more like I I've always been able to talk to uh, you know fundamentalist Christians or anything uh, uh, that people with different beliefs because the, my mind just naturally uh, translates. What it, I was talking to this Mormon guy I knew, and he was very frustrated because he didn't want to be, he didn't want to follow all their rules and everything and believe everything, but he loved his wife and his family. And I said, well, I'm a Mormon. And uh, he said, uh, well, what do you mean? I mean, I knew him pretty well, so he knew I was sort of putting him on. Uh, and he, he was recording music I was playing. Uh, and, you know, I've, I've written a lot of songs, so he liked to come over and record them. He said, what do you mean? You're a Mormon. I said, well, I, I, I include Mormon. I, I believe in immediate Mormonism. He said, well, what's that? I said, well, all the teachings of Joseph Smith and uh, the practice of Brigham Young and all that, it, it really was just about the immediate future. It was, um, they're not really talking about something else somewhere far off. They're talking about what is the reality that's happening right now. And, um, uh, uh, you know, I mean, Mormon, they believe so much crazy stuff. But I said, it's all myth. And I said, the, the myth, mythical teaching is where is, where they're talking about something that can't be explained with normal language. So it gives you these myths and there's all these different types of myths. I said, well, the Mormon mythical teaching is just about, you know, your fundamental reality right now. He said, oh, I want to be an immediate Mormon. He said, I'm going to talk to my wife about it. And but well, she didn't like it. She told me, she told him he couldn't talk to me anymore. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> Um, I, I, I think about stuff like that, what you say, um, you know, if people have very strong beliefs, uh, you, you just have to listen, really. I mean, you can't, and, and then, you know, somebody would say, say, I'd be, I'd be 19 years old and hitchhiking and I get picked up and, uh, very common question. Somebody said, well, do you believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? I'd say, yes, I do. But <laughs> I might not understand that the same way you do, because each person has their own personal relationship with God. And what does the word God mean? And is God close? And is if God is God all? If God's all, there's nothing but God. That means you and I are God. Uh, and, you know, that's the way I'd talk about it. And in terms of this morning, what David got me thinking about, talking to him, another David, David Kubiak, was uh, there's 
really a, a, a sort of disease. It's like a virus of uh, the belief in all these theories and crap that comes in through the internet. And, uh, you know, again, if you look at the, the sort of research and conclusions of people that are that are featured in the the movie the social dilemma it's like i said it's like rewiring people's brains to uh just believe in alternate realities well the 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 great medicine for that is to pay attention to yourself to pay attention to your body and if it's someone who's religious like has strong ideas about god and jesus i'd say god is speaking to you right now jesus is with you right now and, and they're not telling you all sorts of stuff to believe in. They, they're, they're the light and the truth, which is beyond talking and ideas and believing things. We have to find it in our heart. I don't know, you can, it's whatever. You just gotta wing it, don't you? Uh, and and I agree that, that uh, uh, the Zen Buddhism is uh, very inbred and uh, basically developing cultures and, and group thinks and whatever that that isn't going to travel very far. It's not it, it but but also out of that and included that there is because of just what you're saying, that inclination of wanting to, be able to communicate more widely, it's it's spreading out at the same time into uh, the psyche and the understanding of phenomena of the Western world. But I think we have to be inclusive. We have we have to speak and communicate with other people uh, who have other approaches and not look for like-minded people only to agree with but you'll figure it out i mean everybody's got to figure out on their own you know uh i like but i like the idea of this this morning turning away from believing things and finding uh you know complicated things to say to find try to build a bridge with somebody else to just talk about uh, being aware of being aware of our body, being aware of our breathing, and finding great truth there. But it has to be said in a way that people don't go, "Oh, what the hell are you talking about?" <laughs> David, uh, this is Mike at Chikoji. Yeah. Um, we're, we're going to, uh, those of us that are here in residence, we're going to excuse ourselves from the conversation now and go to lunch. We have lunch waiting for us. So, uh, but uh, questions can continue um, from people on Zoom if you'd like to continue the conversation. And Well, that's up to you. Um, maybe it's, it's, it is maybe it's time to to go our separate ways. 
Uh, whatever you think, I'll 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 stay here and talk to anybody who wants, or we can we can uh, move on and and um, as as is said in the head monk ceremony that we've had. Uh, what were we saying at Tassajara like? That now let's uh, wash our ears with the waters from Tassajara Creek or something like that. Maybe it's time to forget it all and just uh, be aware of what's happening next in our lives. We're going to we're going to finish with a chant here, but uh, you can continue to uh, talk with people that are. On, online and Zoom. Okay. Well, is there anybody monitoring it? Yes. Uh, um, I, see, it I see we have a couple of questions, like from uh, Ben and maybe someone else I saw. Chris. Yeah, and... yeah. Okay. Well, I'll stay here as long. Hey, you G Koji people. God, I'd love to come visit you. I don't know if I'll ever get back there. Hey, yeah. Hi. Uh, it's um, expensive to go there and uh, but um, if I get back to America, that would be great to go to Chikochi. I love it there. I think I see a question from the Zendo. Is that Emmy? Oh, uh, no, thank you. I was just waving. <laughs> yeah, hi. <laughs> okay, we're thank gonna you. we're gonna do our closing chant now. Oh, let me tell you one thing. Oh. I said I do uh, podcasts. Yes. Uh, so uh, that's Cuke Audio. Uh, if you go to cuke.com, my main website, there's a prominent link up top to Cuke Audio Podcasts. You can go to the page and it's, uh, uh, you know, they're on Spotify and this and that. And I do six a week. I do three of them are mini podcasts. And right now in the mini podcast, I just read one vignette from the book Zen is right here. It was originally to shine one corner of the world, uh, teaching stories and anecdotes of Shunryu Suzuki. So they're just a little vignette. I'd say a few things about it. They can be anywhere between four minutes and 15 minutes. And then one day a week, I read, I read through from April to through September. September, I read a chapter of Crooked Cucumber every week. And that I put up on Tuesday. Of course, it doesn't matter what day I put it up. It's just there. And then um, uh, uh, one day a week, I have a Life in Bali podcast with a different guest. Uh, and then uh, one day a week, I have a Zen guest. So just this last Saturday, I put up, and, and some of them are very long, like, they, uh, you know, one, two, three, four, even four hours. Uh, uh, so it's like, uh, you know, I've, I've, I've had Mel Weitzman several times and uh, another person in hospice, uh, Lorraine Palmer. I just did a long one with him. And uh, Bill, Bill Porter, Red Pine. Translates to what a Suzuki student. So do that. So, and I post on Cuke, what's new blog six days a week, uh, and Cuke nonsense blog almost six days a week. Anyway, 
and there's Cuke.com and ShinyuSuzuki.com has the lecture archive, uh, every available version uh, of it. So I just wanted to Great. tell you all that. And and right now I'm reading Tassahara stories, uh, work in progress, draft chapters or pieces from it once a week. So been a pleasure meeting with you. Uh, thanks a lot. And um, uh, may we meet again. And I'll keep talking after this if anybody has any other question. I'd like to contribute a observation, if I may, um, on attentiveness as we were sitting. Uh, this happens with Zoom calls a lot, I've observed. But the background was flickering for you, and it was making me a little bit, I don't know, seasick or ill or something. So I uh, changed my visual focus and attention to something else, but kept my audio attention on you the whole time and that might be some people might say that means that i'm not paying attention to you at all but i really i got a lot out of your talk you know uh thank you for that uh, i really like where you're where you are You've got this beautiful tree behind you. <laughs> That's really neat. Thank you. Thank you. David, Please. Uh, thank, thank you for your talk. I got a lot of it. You touched on some things that I think a lot about <laughs> or am concerned a lot about. Yeah. Uh, uh, first of all, about beliefs, and you know, we're bombarded with so many beliefs, uh, as you mentioned, especially these days. Uh, not our, only our own beliefs, but uh, the beliefs of others around us, and everybody's got their own um, motives for trying to spread their belief systems, and the importance of um being actively present at, as a, a vehicle to awaken rather than doing it through beliefs and a lot of that just yeah. to me involves just becoming conscious of your of what are your beliefs and i think even that can be difficult yeah Although the practice of identifying that i guess in itself is being present with with your own beliefs yeah. But, um, um, but you also mentioned um, the imperative to awaken. And um, I was wondering if you could elaborate on that a little bit. Um, uh, well, that's a good way to say that. <laughs> I think the imperative to awaken. Well, I don't know. You just sort of said it. I mean, just look at that 
look at that phrase, the imperative to awaken. That's what we want, I think. Uh, and we, you know, you, you, you mentioned beliefs. Um, of course, we believe things. Uh, and as you uh, implied or said, it, it's good to be aware of what we believe. Because, you know, sometimes in my life, I've had an epiphany where I realized, oh, I, I believe so-and-so. I mean, I'm basing a lot of my life on believing this. Well, one of them uh, that I had very early on in my practice was that I was, what I believed and what I was basing my life on was that I was working toward getting enlightened in the future. Uh, and I realized that that was a deluded belief, but that's very hard. It's not like, yeah, I got aware of that and then that wasn't a problem anymore, <laughs> you know, but at least I was aware of that. That, of course, it, it, it's uh, it's like a koan. Uh, but, and, and of course we believe things and, and that's fine. We don't, you know, that I, I think the main thing is not to be uh, enslaved by the belief or not, you know, to, you know, not, not to cling to it too strongly, uh, you know, let beliefs float through as much as possible. But you say the, can, can I speak on the imperative of awakening? I, I, I don't think I can do better than just the question, you know? Uh, 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 that, you know, when, when you use the word imperative there, that's, um, that's another thing I find, uh, like, I don't know if you'd say that's becoming aware of belief. I'd say that's becoming aware of of uh, what's well, sort of like area of belief is that uh, I don't take it seriously enough. I don't realize how imperative it is a lot of the time. You get a little deeper and you go, oh, yeah. Um, and it, uh, the more aware we become, the more aware we are that that's what we want and that that's what's really imperative in our lives and that's what all beings are seeking. But it's, of course, we're always being distracted from that and always forgetting and so we're forgetting, remembering. Uh, I don't think it's as easy as a lot of the old Zen stories, you know, uh, of just, you know, having the great enlightenment, and there's no problem from there. Uh, I, I, I'm sure that, I mean, I know that that does happen, but I think mainly we, we become, uh, we expand the stage of our existence and we're, we're, we become aware we're, we're mental beings and that our our physical 
that are uh, we're mental physical beings, but we're not just like action figures. Uh, we become aware of that, and like you say, we become aware of the imperative of of waking up, waking up more, continually waking up, and just and just going deeper with that. Like you say, with the Cohens, I think that's a, a great technique for going deeper and deeper. So. Yeah, I. I think we're all, we all have koans, and uh, 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 it sounds to me like you're you're involved with uh, that koan. <laughs> <laughs> yes, thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Salamat Paji. Uh, <laughs> very well said. Yes, it, you're, you're, yeah. I appreciated your talk. It was very uh, stream of consciousness right out of the 60s in San, San Francisco, where uh, where I used to live in the hate. And uh, uh, us hippies used to say, we're poor, too poor to pay attention. So uh, now we have to become rich to pay attention. But I, do, I did check out cook.com for the first time today and that has a wealth of information so i'm going to be going back there on a daily basis i think but uh you're living my dream from 30 years ago of being in bali and I, my question before you run off for breakfast of the jaffle or something else i want to know what, what village are you living in and do you have to live leave there occasionally for to keep your visa current um, well, I'd like to be able to see you. You're being hidden. Can somebody help me with that? I mean, I've got this on on the one side. I've got this these little boxes with each of us, and then Bob there is sitting behind that. And over oh. here on the left is me, who I don't need to see. Go to gallery view. Huh? Just go to gallery view. Yeah, yeah, there. Now I can see him. Oh, is that something I could have done? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, I've hey, done a few, few of these Zoom things, but I, I never manipulate anything. Um, yes, Lamat Pagi, he said to me, he started off, that means good morning in Indonesian. Very good. For you, for <laughs> us, it's Selamat Siong. Yeah, that's the next thing. That's good, good sort of like early afternoon. That's where we're right. at. And and what's next? You remember what's after Sion? I never made it past the afternoon. Yeah, Sore. Sore's later afternoon. That's right. Until it gets dark and then Slamat Malam. And uh Slamat, I never I don't know how it translates. It sort of means safe or it's like congratulations or slamat pagi, slamat minum. You, if you're going to drink, it's just seven. There you go. Have some, have some Iraq. Yeah, I used Iraq. to. We were living. Yeah, out. that's the Iraq is the local uh, booze. Yeah, I, I, I stopped the that substance uh, when oh, I was sixty. 
Yeah, we right, right we before when I village. turned sixty. Yeah, we lived in a little village. Uh, you know, I should say out of a out on a rice paddy, fifteen minute walk from Ubud. So where where are you living? Um, I, I have spent t time, of course, in Ubud. I live in Sunur, uh, which okay. is is it's really part of Dempasar. It's the beach, uh, and it's sort of on the edge of the busy south. And I, uh, uh, I, I don't like. I, I, I don't want to get too far away from uh, infrastructure, and yeah. I have really good tech support. Well, do you uh, have to leave? Do you have to leave? No, I don't have to leave. No, we, we have resident visas. Okay, great. You know, if, if the, we did have to leave a number of times until we established more established here. Um, at some point, like if we change agents, I think we'd have to fly to Singapore and come. I would love to go to Singapore. It's wonderful. It's just expensive. Kuala Lumpur is a lot cheaper, and it's the same price to fly to. And it's Kuala Lumpur. You can stay in a five-star hotel for, you know, Fifty dollars, yeah. <laughs> and in well, you, Singapore you get a little room <laughs> for a hundred. <laughs> well, you're living you're living my dream, David. And thank you again for your talk. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Uh, yeah, come back to Bali. It's listen. The whole paradise thing here is no no place. The only paradise is our mind. Mm -hmm. uh, there's plenty of stuff to complain about anywhere you go. You know, and you uh, I look at you all. I think you all are in paradise. God, I'd love to be there. That'd be great. Yes, you are. Yeah, just like cook. I like to know where you got that painting that was on the website. That was a beautiful painting of you. That's that portrait. Oh, that's Mike Dixon. That's great. That's fabulous. Um, the Mike like Dixon. He, yeah, he's a well-known painter. He did. Uh, he did. Uh, Suzuki Roshi was Suzuki Roshi student. I did a podcast with him. If you go on kick.com on the podcast page, all the Zen guests, it's their picture and a link to their podcast. That's you. And uh, he did the fly in Zen Mind, Beginner's Mind. He did the Clouds and Greens oh. restaurant. Oh. Uh, and he did the one, if you're at Zen Center at Page Street, the one with Suzuki when he's a little ill sitting there, it's very large by the stairwell. Anyway, he did a series of, uh, of uh, uh, portraits. He did Mel, Ed Brown, me, Dan Welsh, a lot of people. And uh, yeah, that was neat. And I liked your phrase, you know, the, um, I enjoy the talk quite a bit. Um, and that's cuke.com, C-U-K-E? Yeah. Okay, cool. I will check that out. Uh, I like to phrase it. It is a big mess. No, that's okay. I like big mess. I'm a big mess. It really uh, is. Uh, and I, 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 I have a lot of help, incidentally, uh, on all this. Uh, uh, and uh, uh, but just can't keep up with it. Uh, I, I'm I'm very content oriented. I always want to make new content. I want to talk to new people, find out new things. And so I just keep dumping stuff in there and I try to make it organized. 
But um, to me, it's just all communication. Everything, this is all just saying hello, you know, uh, having a sense of camaraderie. And I don't have, even the books and all this, I don't, I don't have a sense of, uh, of it being overwhelmingly important or anything. What's important is just each of us becoming aware of ourselves and waking up. Uh, so yeah. I like doing that. Yeah, and I'm know. sort of a hermit at the same time now. I, that's the great thing about living here. I can just get a lot of work done, but I can walk to the beach and go swimming. And, and so I can, you know, and I've played a lot of tennis here. I can stay active. I can get up and walk around and we, why I don't have a car. We don't have a, we don't ride these motor scooters. You know, we walk a lot. So keeping physically, I can do yoga, you know, and meditate and can concentrate here. America is so big. You got to yeah. go places all the time. Yeah. <laughs> it's in your mind. I mean, you can be, I, I like that, you know, what you're talking about the beach now, but you can do that here. I, I mean, I can do that in this, in this little blue collar town of Medford, Oregon, you know, I'm finding that it doesn't matter where I'm at, you know, it's, it's. Yeah. Well, it's Oregon. Are you in Oregon? Yeah. I'm right where the fires were. When you were talked about California, we lost like over 3000 houses here. Burned oh, two towns. wow. Yeah. It was really bad. I mean, it burned two towns, uh, burned up mostly lower income housing trailer parks, senior centers. Yeah, it was really bad. They don't talk about it much. It's all California, Oregon, it really got hit. Bad. No, no, Oregon got a lot of press. Yeah. I, I was quite well aware. And also my wife's son lives in Bandon. Oh, okay, sure. Uh, and they were worried there. And she was there for four months this year because she yeah, couldn't get back. So I got a lot of work done then. <laughs> <laughs> Well, thank you for your talk. There's other people. Waiting. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'd love. I just wanted to say thank you so much. I do need to go, and I really appreciate you getting up so early in the morning and uh, speaking with us today. Thanks so. Yeah, good. yeah. Well, oh, no, I've enjoyed the heck out of it. You <laughs> oh, know, no. I forgot about it, and I didn't do any email yesterday. I was just paying attention to the lecture and everything, uh, and I woke up at 2.30 and had to pee, you know, and then I went, hey, don't I have a, oh my God. And I just said, thank you to my subconscious constantly <laughs> while I went and washed my face and made some tea and came, this is my little studio here, it's our guest room. I'm sitting on a bed uh, and uh, uh, it was great. I really enjoyed it. And thank you. Thank you all for being there, being here. Bye-bye. Um, 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 I had uh, another question. Yeah, sure. Uh, so um, during the talk, we spoke about um, mind and body. Um, and... Uh, so my question is that we often differentiate mind and body and we talk about the fact that mind and body are two things, but then uh, in, in Buddhism and other related things, we talk of them as the same thing. And during your talk also, you said uh, that mind and body are the same thing. 
So my question is that why do people often differentiate it? And how did you come to your, or what, what, are you, what, what is your um, views uh, on them being the same thing? And then uh, a related question to that is that people also talk about spirit and they say there's, uh, there's mind. Talk about what? Spirit, spirit. Yeah, got you. There's mind, body, and spirit. And so what do you think is, is spirit and how does that fit into this, um, these, these interrelationship between mind and body? Uh, oh, yeah, I wonder those things. I think, well, well, see, I grew up in being taught that body and mind are the same thing. So that really helps. <laughs> I can't see it any other way. But, um, uh, and with an emphasis on mind, and you know, uh, uh, the, the use of the word mind to stand for big mind, spiritual mind, you know, uh, uh, not brain or, you know, uh, small mind, thinking mind, but, you know, when, when Buddha was asked, um, well, what, is there a creator? Um, and uh, he said, there's no creator other than mind itself. And when Bodhidharma would use the term mind, uh, well, or what is translated as mind, more like Shin, you know, and is the way the Japanese say, uh, our Kokoro, uh, Bodhidharma was asked, well, what is mind? It said, well, that which asked me is mind. And uh, uh, what is spirit? What is, you know, what does the word spirit stand for? I don't know. Uh, what does the word mind stand for? I don't really know. What does the word body stand for? I don't know. Uh, it's just, I, I really don't try to understand things. I just try to look at it. And, you know, really, I'm not beyond just going, wow, what is this? Um, and I, I don't gravitate toward having a, an intellectual understanding of what's happening. I've sure been around a lot of people who do. I used to hang out with Ken Wilber. My God, that guy, that guy he had it all figured out. Um, uh, but I think, you, you know, I don't, I think everything, every word we use like body, mind, spirit, consciousness all these words you think well what is what is conscious well they're they're used to stand for they're, they're used in different ways by different people they have different meanings to different people uh, to me they're all just different approaches different ways of looking at what is happening and i think what is happening is beyond our ability to comprehend in a normal way and with normal thinking and ideas. So uh, I, I think you're, you're the fact that you're asking those questions, you will find the answers. 
but you won't find it from other people. You won't find it from me. You'll find it from yourself. You're, you're the, you're the source of ultimate wisdom. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes, but um, I, I thought about the exact same thing uh, when I was waiting to ask the question, but why am I asking you? Uh, but I think that, um, I think me asking this question to you is very similar to me asking this question to myself. Right, um, right. And, and so, um, yes, uh, and I do agree that, um, that uh, it is like the words are, um, are representations for something and it uh, they all it, it they imply different meanings to different people, but there is um, but clarity uh, clarity is there is clarity in the words. For example, I, I read the Diamond Sutra a few days ago, and then it was quite wonderful in how it was organized uh, because Buddha in the Diamond Sutra immediately says something and then totally negates it saying that that's right that i these, love it these are just words <laughs> just words and so he says words has value and they also don't have value because I yeah think, and so so yeah so i guess i love the diamond sutra you know i think it's the oldest thing in print or something like that i mean there's some very old Diamond Sutra. To me, the Diamond Sutra is sort of like Buddha saying something and uh, writing it on a blackboard and then he erases it. And it, or, you know, who, who's asking the questions to him? Subuti or somebody who's says... Subuti. Uh, huh? Subuti is asking the questions. Yeah. And uh, so Buddha will say, oh, Subuti, uh, uh, does the Buddha teach that whatever, anything, that, but he would say, oh, no, <laughs> Buddha wouldn't say that because the Buddha said that. So it's, yes. uh, it just, it, you know, it's like there's the, uh, there's the metaphor of pulling the rug out from under you. And people used to say Suzuki Roshi would pull the rug out from under us, right? It's like the Diamond Sutra is just one rug after another being, they'll put something down there and then whoa they pull the rug out from under it and they just keep doing it the the whole time hey david thanks for yeah. talking to us and hanging out with us such a pleasure and um i wanted to ask you because i've always i've never been to bali but i've always had an impression of it being very spiritual there that people made these altars to like their rice, the spirits of their rice fields and to nature. It was a, a very, it has a very nature oriented culture. And yeah. you spoke about, you know, kind of a, a Vipassana teaches, teachers there and also um, your Bonte, your friend Bonte, Gisho, or I can quite... Oh, Bhante Gary. Well, he's he is he is not with us anymore. I never met him. Oh. He 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 founded the big temple here, Murta Ada, who's a a, a layman, a lay teacher. Uh, was is one that I've sit with and uh, that I've done retreats with, and uh, 
done various things with. And uh, there's uh, this Indonesian woman, Vipassana. She's a nun. Uh, a, what do they call Amasa? I can't. Yeah, I, I can't remember what we call her again. But most of the, the monks who lead the retreats here are Burmese. You know, so but um, I've gone to events there where, you know, it's mainly Hindu here. I've gone to events there where there's, you know, hundreds and hundreds of Buddhists just coming from everywhere just to go to a Buddhist service. There's some Buddhist. I mean, Bali was originally Buddhist, and and the Hinduism here is influenced by Buddhism. But mainly, it's like you say, mainly they're animists. And same as Japan. In Japan, what people like is Shinto. Yeah. Uh, that's what I. They're, they're sort of atheist Shinto, and uh, and materialist atheist Shinto. You know, they've got both sides. And here. Of course, it's very materialist because of uh, all the tourism. That's 85%. Uh, and, you know, the Western influence, of course, uh, uh, is to bring, uh, you know, materialism on steroids into cultures and to bring a lot of progress and money, which makes people poor. Uh, but um, uh, still... I experienced their spiritual nature here in a sense, just in how easygoing they are. And it's like, look at the reaction here to the virus. Nobody is angry or, you know, the, the shutdown here is much more serious than in America because it's 85% the economy is on tourism and there's no tourists. And I don't, you know, there's, there's a lot of food being given away to people and people I know who were spending the last 30 years driving tourists around, they're working in fields again. They're closer to the, to their agricultural roots. See? So they're much stronger, but there's everybody wears masks and practices social distancing and, you know, they get together, maybe they won't. And, when they're not in public, but there's no public resistance. It's every it's very cooperative in the traffic. It's very cooperative. You know, there's a lot of traffic here. There's too much traffic. They do too much of it. They screw it up. You know, they build buildings everywhere they can. And, uh, you know, there's the whole place is going to turn into gridlock, uh, especially in the South. I don't even like to go over uh, toward Kuta or Seminyak, there's just too much traffic. But if you want to turn and there's cars coming out, you can just start turning, they'll stop. You know, you know, I've never seen road rage in seven years, never seen anybody get angry driving or anything. So that's the way I really experience. I mean, I see they, they're making offerings constantly and I, I, I go to ceremonies sometimes just really to be part of what they do here get a lot of water poured over my head and uh, 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 there, there, there's a word here, santai, which means, you know, like easygoing or something like that. It's very santai here. They're not very uptight and they're polite. Everybody's polite, nice. I mean, mate, very high degree. Is it like Japan in that way? No, Japan's uptight. <laughs> and nervous. Uh, 
but uh, I like Japan and, and they, but see, they have their, I love being in Japan. I might live in Japan if I could afford it. Japan's even better for walking. Like, well, if you're in the right season, Kyoto, my God, walking around Kyoto, it's just, you could. Well, the traffic's pretty bad there though too. <laughs> The traffic can be bad, but you can get away from it really easy. In Japan, everything's all concentrated. And you can get up to the woods and where there's trails like in Kyoto. And, and uh, uh, oh, you, you can take walks in the woods in Kyoto every day. Uh, we were there for two months, six and a half years ago. And we just, oh, we love walking there and walking around town. It's a great place. You can go anywhere you want. Yeah. Public transport. They have public transport. Oh. oh. Get your train. Yeah, here. Yeah, public transportation in Japan is just so great. Uh, so great. Here, uh, public transportation is not so good, but but uh, taxis are cheap as heck. Mm. I mean, you get a driver all day long to go to the other end of the island and back for $50, Our, you know, uh, 12 hours. Taxis running with COVID right now? Oh or? yeah, yeah, we're not we're not totally closed down. Now we can, we can walk this Wednesday to a place and hear some really good jazz. We can go to the beach. We can eat at a restaurant on the beach. Uh, I figure the math here that uh, uh, America has eight times the uh, amount of uh, positive people testing positive for COVID and eight times the number of deaths per capita and eight times the amount of problems with it. I mean, God, America is just full of all these angry people, you know, and, and um, listen, it can have, every culture has this problem. You know, as if we're not experiencing it now. Uh, Indonesia, everybody freaked out and killed a million communists, Chinese mainly. They were mass murdering people here. And that the term run amok comes from Indonesia. And Bali killed the highest percentage of any island in Indonesia. So, uh, and I don't notice that big a difference between the Balinese Hindus and the Japanese Muslims. They're all pretty nice. Muslims, of course, tend to uh, that the just in terms of Muslim culture, it it's it you know it, it gets more it's subject to having waves of fundamentalism and uh, and that don't exist here. But in in India, the Hindu fundamentalism is a big problem. These, these things are global, but you know, America, because of it being a melting pot and everything, and because of, uh, uh, I don't know, because of the internet and Facebook and all this is really experiencing some serious problems. Now, you know, the Republicans had a big day. They were enormously victorious on election day. They just lost the Republican president. They didn't lose a single House seat. They gained, and they weren't expected to. 
They did much better on the Senate. They gained in state legislatures that'll be drawing up the districting. Republicans got stronger. And you know what? I heard, I was listening to Forum. You remember that show on KQED? And yeah. uh, they were talking about uh, somebody who's been studying this that, you know, like, the Hispanic, the Latinx win in Texas was just astounding to people. And in Florida too, with the Cuban population. And it's not just that that they admire like the strong man macho culture that Trump kind of embodies, but actual Republican grassroots efforts were going into those communities and listening to people and making relationships with these people. And isn't that what we're supposed to be doing as Buddhists? You know, I mean, listening and making relationship. So I just, I thought that was very ironic. It was almost like, we're not, we're not doing our, our, our Buddhist work. You know, the liberal blue community is actually just, they're taking kind of this intellectual stand that is actually alienating a lot of Americans. Yeah, well, um, uh, one of the, the Biden campaign, one of the weaknesses that they were being criticized for before this election was not, not having uh, a strong enough outreach to Hispanics. And uh, the, you know, the Republicans just tend to be more organized, more uh, focused, more together. And the Democratic Party represents a lot of different factions. And in the um, also in the Hispanic community, uh, it's the opposite from in the uh, with whites in terms statistically, the more educated, the more likely to be Republican. Whereas with white culture, the more educated, the more likely to be democratic. Hmm. Uh, uh, and um, I, uh, there's a lot of uh, Hispanics that uh, really don't, uh, can be swayed by being uh, uh, told the other side is socialist. Hmm. Uh, uh, the Cubans, the Venezuelans especially are very wary of that. Mm. Uh, so the Democrats haven't been as good in messaging. I mean, the worst messaging that I think really hurt the Democrats is this phrase, defund the police. I mean, uh, what could, could you think of a better phrase to turn people off to, I mean, uh, the framing of, uh, what was that guy's name in Berkeley? who's talked about framing, the framing of things, uh, issues, um, and how to deal with social problems you know, um, uh, hasn't been helpful. But anyway, we'll see what happens there. Um, uh, Buddhists aren't necessarily gonna be Democrats though. <laughs> uh, right. You know, you can have Buddhist Republicans. Uh, I know Buddhist Republicans. Yeah, uh, but, but Biden, Biden immediately jumped in in his speech, and and he's he's already alienating all these people by talking about the middle class, and he completely ignores the fact that the only reason he carried Pennsylvania was 
that more people making under $50,000 a year voted for him this year and this election. Last time they voted for Trump and the election before they voted for Obama. Uh, and these stupid Democrats still haven't got it through their head that, you know, America's a class culture. And uh, they pretend that they don't exist, that there isn't this class. And, mm -hmm. and there is. And it's going to doom them every single time. And only just doom them again. Which class are they going to lose? They look, well, they're, they're, they're talking about the problem is blue collar workers think they're middle class. They're not middle class, they're working class. And, and, uh, and Biden's speech was appealing to we have to restore the middle class. And you're ignoring, you know, the vast amounts of people who barely make minimum wage, which make up right, right. 80% of America. And uh, I mean, we Buddhists, we're, we don't even, you know, we're not in that. Um, I mean, we just, I don't know, we're not out there politicking. There's not a Buddhist party. We Buddhism is like, you know, you make up your own mind about things. Yeah. You know, uh, no don't know your mind, you know, beginner's yeah. mind. But I mean, the Democrats have become, the, the Democratic Party is Republican and the Republicans are Nazis. I mean, compared to what Democrats used to be. Yeah. You know, Obama was a moderate Republican. He was not a Democrat. Yeah. I mean, not compared to the guys before him. And, yeah, yeah. And as yeah. more and more extreme, I mean, it's just gonna, it's, it's just polarizing and you'll see it. It's just extreme polarization because you're- well, a that Poor people, have, you know, poverty has really been ignored and there's, you know, very, very, there's so much poverty in America. And to mm -hmm. me, the poverty in America is worse than in India. Mm -hmm. uh, because in India, you know, people have culture, they have family, they, they have a sense of who am I. Uh, and uh, the poverty in America, the homelessness, and all, it just seems so pathetic and desperate and hopeless. Um, but um, you know, maybe uh, maybe things will turn around and uh, there will be more inclusive uh, society that includes uh, everybody. But there's a lot of poverty here. There's poverty all over the world, but. You know, dealing with poverty and the poorest and the most, uh, the, the, the people who are forgotten, uh, the, you know, you know what, what Jesus emphasized in the Bible, you know, thinking of the poor, thinking of the, even the criminal class, you know. Look! Look at those uh, at the lower end of society, and and help them. But yes, um, I thought you want to get in here. Go ahead. <laughs> well, I thoroughly enjoyed the political discussion, and I feel like. Um, the Buddhist perspective has a lot to add to the current state of things. Um, I quite enjoyed the question and the response and the discussion. Going back to, but like my question was going back to the questions we had asked in our talk. And as you were answering my previous question, you used the term uh, big mind is the spiritual mind. So, and I just wanted to get a sense of what does spirit mean to you, David? 
Well, big mind is a term that Suzuki used, you know. I'd say, you know, Gimpo has, uh, uh, his group back on about 20 years ago, he put a, uh, what do you call it, trademarked it. <laughs> but uh, anyway, big, that was, you know, big mind, as Suzuki would talk about, uh, that we're aware of small mind, uh, but there is big mind, we should become aware of big mind. So I don't know, uh, it's just another, it's another approach. I think it was a very skillful way for him to put in very simple terms, uh, you know, uh, to, to give a very simple, uh, like uh, conceptual framing to uh, practice. But I can't tell you anything about big mind. You've got to find out yourself. Question was about spirit. I was saying, what, <clears throat> what does the word spirit mean for you? Well, it doesn't mean anything in particular to me. I don't I like. I don't think about stuff like that. I just see. I just experience what I am, where I am, and I don't really label it. Uh, and uh, the the term spirit is just to me like it's just a, a word that stands for uh, well, all right. If 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 we think of, of of that, we're we're trapped in in the thought stream. So people are that in strap thought stream, right? Just one thought after another, and then we tend to cling to an idea that we are uh, an ind separate individual consciousness and that uh, are a separate individual being and that we're a physical being in this physical universe. And then, so what is spirit? Spirit would just be, is, is a word that indicates to somebody that there's a bigger understanding of this. I don't think spirit is a thing. I think it's just a word to encourage us to wake up to greater reality. I don't have any concept or any idea of there being a thing called spirit or even in a big mind or any of it. All of that is just encouragement to wake up to reality, which really is beyond naming and beyond uh, conceptual understanding. Uh, uh, it, these things can't be known in a normal way. So um, I don't really think, and spirit is just, to me, it's just a word we use to talk about uh, something beyond being uh, enslaved by the thought stream, a greater, you know, a, a wider stage for our experience, one that where we, the, the sense of being a separate self is starts to dissolve. And God, I was just with this guy who sets up a movie, uh, or he didn't, he's not doing that now. He, he got into Asia because he was uh, doing uh, movie locations and 
helping to produce movies, big movies in third world countries. He was being used. He started off being Dudley Moore's driver in England and then got to meet, you know, uh, Ridley Scott, the producer. He was driving him around and then Ridley Scott's sister hired because he was, he'd grown up on a farm. He knew how to relate to uh, people very well. And so he started coming to Asia and, you know, being, setting up things for movies where there'd be, you know, like a thousand Americans and Europeans coming in on a, to help do a film somewhere and they'd be getting arrested and everything. And he was having to deal with all the logistics. And then he discovered how wonderful it was to deal with these people in Asia that, that, that and how cooperative they were and how they had a sense that he said that they were, that, that they had a sense that we are the same thing. It was totally different. And just in relating to them about setting up all this practical stuff, he found they weren't yelling at each other or being angry. Um, and his experiences were happening in Southeast Asia and in India and in Indonesia. Um, so their sense of, of spirit was actually not of an individual spirit. Uh, what, what he experienced with them was that he felt like they felt like we include each other. And uh, anyway, I think, like I said, I, I, I don't have an idea of what spirit is or what mind is or what consciousness is or what body is. Those are all um, just different ideas about what's happening. And I think it's really incomprehensible. It's, it's like some sort of dream. And I think it's good to be free of interpretation, too many interpretations. But you know, there's a lot of teachers that, that could answer your question better than me because I, I'm just not into to, um, uh, uh, the, uh, I'm not into defining all these things very well. Uh, and I'm not even interested in it. I'm, I, when, when I see the word spirit and I think, what does it mean? I feel a sort of relief that I don't have to know what it means. I just have to wake up to who I am right now, right here. I'm sorry. It's okay. <laughs> uh, but you, you, you know, you're on a good path. You're, you're asked fundamental questions. You're, you're going toward that. So you, you can answer it. You're, we're, we are, like Suzuki said, uh, we are wisdom seeking wisdom. And, uh, and like this other gentleman, Bob, maybe said there, the, we have the imperative of awakening. Mm -hmm. And what we're awakening to, it just doesn't ultimately have names. Yes. I love wisdom seeking wisdom. <laughs> Yeah, cool. Thank you. I have to go. Yeah, hey, thank you. Thank you. Thank you all. Thank you, David, Karen. Thank you. Michael, Connie. Thank you. Thank you, Nico.
Thanks, Nico. We'll see you soon. I'm going to go back to bed. Go yeah. back to bed, David. Thank you. <laughs> Bye, David. Yeah. All right. Thanks. That's been great. It's been very stimulating. And um, it's been, you know, you all have been very helpful to me. Um, uh, really, I, I have no practice other than uh, what I have learned from others. Uh, and uh, they've been very encouraging. Mm -hmm. Like I told you when I, I said, I'm very grateful for what I grew up with i'm grateful for all the people i've known so thanks a lot and good luck to us all thanks bye-bye thank you bye-bye thank you for listening to this podcast offered by jacoji zen center our dharma talks are offered free of charge and this is made possible by the donations we receive your support helps us to continue to offer the dharma for more information about jacoji please visit us on the web at jacoji.org.